<laughs> Have we done the show at the Mermaid? No, 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 no it's the fourth. It's quite a long way off. Joe, it seems a long way off. I thought about it this morning and I thought, with all the, the, the tickets have sold out for both the shows, but I thought, have we done it? And I had this strange dream that I might have done it. It's about two and a half months away. Is it really? Yes. Good Lord. Crikey. Oh, well, these people have paid for it now, so you don't have to worry about it coming up to Christmas. That's a very good point, <laughs> yes. I think about Christmas quite a lot. We will worry about it. I'll worry uh, about it, yes. Thing, yeah. if, if Paul Saber doesn't get back from Thailand with my jackets, I shall worry quite a lot. Is that where they come from? Yeah. Oh. The material's been taken out there. We bought, bought the material, and he's taken it out there, and, uh, and they make them out there. I didn't think anybody would uh, make something like that in this country. Yes, well, they do, actually, surprisingly. It's, it's just cheaper to get them made out there. Oh, I see. Okay. Over there, they're sort of about a third of the price that they would be here. Mm. So that's why. So he's only making two... Christmas colours this year? No, 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 strangely not. Strangely. Uh, strangely not. <laughs> All of a sudden moved away to no Australia green. there. Sorry? Green. No, I do have green. Do you? I do have green. I've never worn green. It's not really my colour. Mm. I've got green. And, and my brother's borrowed gold and black for the office party. Don't ask. Very strange office he works in. <laughs> You'll be wearing your usual... Yeah, all right. Yeah, the usual. Yeah, the usual. <laughs> <laughs> hope you still fit into it. Understated. You know? Understated. Absolutely. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Classy. Classy. It certainly is. I'll leave the rest to you. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Anthony Davis back with you tomorrow morning. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's LBC. It is going to rain today. I'm not I'm not going to, you know, reaffirm it. Because it's a bit ludicrous, isn't it, to keep going out. It's going to rain. But then if you never do it, you always get some bozo who writes in and goes, it's absolutely outrageous. Steve Allen didn't mention the weather. And you think, why don't you just open your eyes and look out the window? You know, if, if the rain's coming down, it's wet. But you always get people... I think you get the outraged of sort of Pimlico or wherever they come from nowadays. And I think, I think they're just... I think the people who write in and complain are just lonely people. I think they're just desperate for a reply from somebody. Because it's either that or they have to get redirected mail. Because, because they, they don't seem to do anything else, do they? I think they just sit there and they sort of go onto different websites and they just write, you know, I was watching the television the other day and I distinctly saw... There used to be somebody who used to write in and Reginald Bosenkett used to wink at the end of the programme, prior to Anne Robinson, who, incidentally, more of in, a, in about a second. And, um, and, and she used to think that he was winking at her at the end of the programme. So she thought it was a relationship. I mean, God, you know, you do worry, don't you? But anyway, yesterday I was watching Watchdog, otherwise known as that expensive piece of twaddle from the BBC, where it takes about an army of, I think no less than about 40 people I counted yesterday. Am I talking to... Yes, it's got front, yeah. 40 people on uh, Watchdog. So you've got Anne Robinson, then you've got all the other people, then they bring on loads of other people, then they bring on Dominic Littlewood, who's about as bad as you can get when it comes to presenting, and then they bring on Giles Brandreth, and then they bring... And then you look at the background team, and it's a huge amount of people. I mean, it's absolutely huge. And you think to yourself, you could scrap this programme completely, and nobody... You know, all you've got to do is do the same as That's Life did, which is, again, you've got a team of about five people presenting it, plus other people who would go out and do odd-shaped vegetables. So yesterday... They did an apology. And the apology was quite clearly on behalf of Anne Robinson, who'd obviously said, I'm not saying sorry. And it was to Tesco's over something. And so uh, Matt Allwright, or whatever his name is, had to read the apology. And so she said, oh, I can't imagine who actually said that. He said, well, put it this way. He said, it wasn't me, and it wasn't so-and-so. He said, hmm, who can that be then? And it was quite clearly her. And so she put her foot down and went, if you think I'm apologising to Tesco's, you've got another thing coming. Uh, Which reminds me of years ago on LBC... One of our presenters then, a very, very famous presenter who's not here anymore, uh, had to do an apology. And he said, quite cat- I'm not reading that. So I had to read it for him, and it had to be played out in the programme. But I had to read his apology, because he wouldn't read the apology. 
It was one of those things that the, the management said, read it, and then the management got all sort of, you know, a bit sort of yellow-bellied. And went, oh, well, we, all right, we, we get Steve Allen to read it for you. And so that was that. But I'm watching uh, Watchdog last night, and uh, it is a pile of rubbish, honestly, at the time. It really is. It's just, sometimes they, they, they just seem to spend an absolute fortune of your money... Uh, on something that's a bit stupid, a fly tipper. So not only do they have the fly tipper with hidden cameras, this is a man who's been convicted for the last, I don't know, 30 years of fly tipping. So they waste your money by going back there and discovering he's still fly tipping. Why don't they just put his picture up and go, he's still fly tipping? No, they have to do a silly film with Matt Allwright on his bike with this other bloke, because Matt Allwright quite clearly hasn't got a licence for riding a bike. So we have this silly poncy bit of film. Then we have a poncy bit of film of them going to a rubbish dump where normal people take their rubbish. Then them sitting under a tree, and they spin this out for as long as they can, this pile of doggy-doos. It's rubbish. All to find out that this man dumps rubbish. In the back of his van, he charged 80 quid, he dumps the rubbish, but they'd already sprayed their stuff with um, stuff that if you put an ultraviolet light over it, you can see it's their furniture, so they could trace it. Plus, they'd actually put a tracker device in the foot. I mean, the cost of doing... And then they brought in a male voice choir to sing. Oh, it was the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen in your whole life. I tell you, whoever puts that together, and I'm suspecting it's Matt, because he's quite clearly got carried away with his own lack of self-importance. Dominic Littlewood, who just gets worse by the day... I mean, I didn't think it was possible. But I suddenly remembered where he came from. He came from one of those BBC programmes where they take somebody and they have to pretend to be somebody else. And I'm pretty certain he had to pretend to be... um, He might have had to pretend to be a second-hand car dealer or something. Whatever it was, he certainly wasn't a presenter, and that's patently obvious. And then, to cap it all, they bring on my least favourite man who talks about money, Martin Lewis, who's obviously got some some reasoning in his head that you've got to use your hands a lot and pretend that you've got a personality. And so it goes on, and he's got, he's got these hands, and he does this, and he does that, and I'm thinking, why can't you just speak normally, like normal people? Speak normally, or forever hold your peace. And I wish somebody would hold their peace with him as well. So, uh, so that was that. But it was Anne Robinson, who's clearly getting way too old for television. She doesn't know where she is half the time, poor old soul. It's all right if somebody sort of says to her, oh, you're very sexy-looking, and she's going, you think so? And I'm going, no, they're having a laugh, dear. They're having a laugh. Uh, loads of the papers today. And incidentally, I'm sorry, but I've had enough. It's been three months now since Global have paid my expenses. And I've really, really, you know, I thought to myself this morning, should I go into work or should I not go into work? Because it's like a lot of money. It's like £3, six and threepence halfpenny, and they've not paid it. So I've, I phoned my agent last night. Well... All right, that's a lie. I went to the cemetery, I went to the cemetery, and I stood over a grave, and I said, listen, they've not paid my expenses. How can I make a big deal about this? You know, because really, it's nothing in the terms of what's going on in the world. But because I'm such a big girl's blouse, I want my money, and I want it now. And, and she said, via a medium, it was Doris Stokes, who was another dead one, and she said, listen... Just get over yourself, Steve. It's only expenses. I went, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to live on this money, and it's not, it, they've not paid at Global. And I want to go on the front page of every paper. And she said, don't be a silly girl. Get over yourself. You know, you're not such a big deal. And I said, but I'm going to stamp my foot, and I'm going to rant about it for 30 minutes. And she said, well, you'd be very stupid then, wouldn't you? And I went, but I'm not stupid. She said, I know you're not, but you're coming over as very stupid. Complaining about a little bit of money, you know, which isn't really that important. And I said, but I want it, because it's my money. And then the management said, I tell you what, why don't we get somebody else in to replace you? 
And then everybody was happy, and the world burst into flower, and everybody was really happy. And it was lovely. And at the end of the day, another silly, numpty radio presenter who nicks his act from everybody else went home and started writing job applications. And thus endeth the first lesson for this morning. The second one is it's going to rain, all right? I'm just telling you now, because there will be some... It's like a Twickenham station every morning. I do derive great pleasure. As I'm walking up the stairs, because there's quite the, because they, they refuse to provide the stanner stair lift for me in the morning. I walk up the stairs, and you go, da-da-da-da-da, and, well, I've, I've asked people to carry, I've stood there going, excuse me, I think there was a bloke about to throw himself off Twickenham Bridge this morning, and I only say that, because as we came over in Mohammed's new car, there is a bloke on the bridge, but he's the other side. He's, he's climbed over, and he's on this... I didn't phone anybody because he sort of looked at us and sort of half waved. And so I sort of looked at him and I thought, he looks like he's one of these people who's had a few drinks or something. And I don't know. I mean, if it turns out that somebody dropped in the River Thames, you know. But put it this way, luckily there are, put it this way, we weren't the only car going over this morning. There were quite a few cars going over. So what do you, now, what would you do in the circumstances? Would you call 999? And you go, there's a because first of all, you've got to get through to them. Then they go, which station are you calling? And you go, I don't know, Richmond. Richmond? Okay, what's the nature? There's a bloke on the bridge, and he's waving at traffic, but he's standing on the other bit of the bridge. And uh, and they then go, okay. Because unfortunately, all along the river, you get all the drunks. We get them in in Twickenham, and they just sit there. And and then you read in the paper today that uh, there's a couple who apparently went onto a website to learn how to commit suicide, and then they go and sit in a car in Braintree. There is a website, and there are these forums where people discuss how they're going to commit suicide. And you think, is life going to be that bad for most of these people? I mean, it's got to be. Everybody gets depressed. And we've talked before about depression on the programme, and I don't propose to go into it now, because it's not something that we're qualified to talk about. But we've, we've had letters from people saying, you've got no idea what it's like to be depressed. I thought, well, I've been fed up, but I've never been that depressed. I've wanted to take my own life. And they've got this, this couple here. Uh, it's Steve Lum and Joanne Lee, 35 and about 28 and they decided they were going to end it all. So they met up on the internet with the sole intention of sitting in a car and committing suicide. And you think, haven't they got any family? Haven't they got anybody to talk Who do these people talk to? And the answer is, they appear to have nobody. The dad of, uh, of the son says, these suicide sites are sick. My son died because of this. I mean, one here, I will be travelling via home to see the method. Hope to see you on the other side. These are some of the things that they actually put down. Hi, can somebody tell me which products to buy over the counter to end this? Just saying goodbye. Uh, I'm committing suicide today and to all you people suffering, I hope you find what you're looking for. And you begin to wonder whether or not you've gone, the whole world has gone quite mad. Whether there are sites on, why are they not closed down? Why are they not closed down? I mean, you know, strangely enough, Joanne from Braintree says, I'm desperately seeking a pact in the UK. I'm 34 female and live in the Essex area. My preferred method is H25. Well, I've no idea what H25 is. Either way, she says, I have all the ingredients. You should have a car, be able to drive and be willing to pick me up when it's time to... to do it. So they do it in the back of a trading estate at the age of 34 and 35. And you think, she's got to be something better, hasn't there? 
got to be something better. But quite clearly, nobody knew about it. Nobody knew that they were feeling like that, or that they went onto websites. Stranger things in heaven and earth, ladies and gentlemen. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. A man's been charged with the murder of a 19-month-old girl following a fire in Camberwell, which has also left an 11-year-old girl critically ill. Richard Quakes also charged with the attempted murder of four others following the fire on Saturday. After concerns over safety at the venues for the Commonwealth Games in Delhi, the first England athletes arrive later. Officials say a final decision on the team's involvement will be made in the coming days. And the first tile in the London 2012 Aquatics Centre Pool has been laid by the world swimming champion Mark Foster. The Olympic Delivery Authority says the start of the tiling work is a milestone in the development of the Olympic Park. Let's have a check on the uh, roads for you this morning. It's Rachel Hardiman. Have your say this morning from 10, LBC 97.3. David Beckham sleeps with two hookers. No, he doesn't, but a newspaper, one of these magazines in America, has printed a front-page story that David had relations with, with one girl who then claims that she had relations with him with another girl. Her story has been shot through by every... I mean, quite clearly, it's absolutely lies from start to finish. She doesn't even know which hotel he was in. And she makes all sorts of clay. And you think to yourself, you can't say this nowadays. You cannot say these things. I mean, apart from that, he's now got to fight this smear. I mean, it's just absolutely ludicrous. It's ludicrous. They say, exclusive, on this magazine, David's affair with a $10,000 a night hooker, a threesome and unsafe sex, a digger, a digger pot. I mean, it's just absolutely the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever read in your life. And David, quite rightly, has gone, wait, I don't even know this person. But because it's America, any old brass is going to crawl out the woodwork and say, oh, this. And, but surely the magazine must realise he's going to sue them in the biggest court in the land. They're going to be paying serious money. It's ridiculous. That old brass that was on the X Factor the other day was having a row on the uh, on um, on um, oh God, a railway station with her daughter late at night the other night, and somebody drove past in the car and went, "Oi, whore!" And she then started an argument. Then things were thrown. Then it got out of hand. Then the police were called. And then somebody said, "Should she be allowed to have her child out on the street freezing cold nights?" Like Ollie Murs the other day, out drunk on a holiday because holidaymakers were taunting him. Be like me saying to, you know, to James Whale, Oi, fat, bald bloke, you know. It would just be ludicrous because he's deeply attractive and has a full head of hair. Morning, James. Oh, that's real. Listen, darling, I, I'm concerned about your, um, your, your, the angst that there is. <laughs> There's a lot of bile in you today. I know, I know. I save it I up overnight. What, well, you've got to get it out. I am. I'm doing the programme. Yes, but you've got, to, you've got to purge yourself. Otherwise, you're going to have high blood pressure apart from everything else. Do you know, strangely enough, my blood pressure... In fact, they did a report a short while ago that said the more angry you are, the lower your blood pressure is. Well, that's why the Italians and the French and a lot of the other continentals, of course, who yell and blow their horns... Yes. not... Uh, keep themselves fitter than we are. You see, I mean, but that's why it gets it out of your system. If there's something that's worrying you, you get it out of your system, or you write it down, or you... You know, I always think, pop it on a postcard and put it through their, their door if you don't like somebody. Or win one of us up. You know, hang on, sorry. You're in a wind am... tunnel? No, I'm being boxed in by... I'm, I'm driving slightly faster than 56 miles an hour on the M25, yeah. all right? And I have got the most enormous... Arctic stuck right behind me. Oh. There's absolutely nowhere I can go. Oh. 
At this time in the morning, these truckers should be in bed asleep with their little curtains drawn. Exactly, truckers. Dreadful people. Dreadful, dreadful people. It's not nice. My mother did that once and she was boxed in and she couldn't either go to the right or anywhere else because the lorries had hemmed her in in the middle. It's not on. If I put my foot down just to avoid the traffic, right? I'm not going to break the law or anything like that. Um, And there's a Porsche just there, so let's just... So then I come in and, and now I'm better, you see. Now I'm more relaxed because I've got nothing behind me. It's dangerous out there. The trouble is with you, you know, you don't know when you're well off. You're off. You're obviously up to Sky today, aren't you? Well, yes, I am because, you know, I've got to, uh, I've got to make sure my other friend is not feeling so angst-ridden as you. <laughs> I bet he will be by the time he gets there. Well, you know, the problem is expenses. Nobody's getting their expenses. Well, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. I'm telling you, you wait till you see the front pages of the papers today, matey. You will then realise just how angst I am feeling today. Yes, you know, it couldn't, it couldn't possibly be that some people are feeling a lack in their ratings and that perhaps their, their publicity is, is slipping slightly. Oh, I mean, I couldn't possibly comment on that. James, I've got to leave it because the, the wind noise is so bad. So what we'll do, I'll catch up with you later because you owe me a lunch still. I do, and I will, and I'll see you. Bye-bye. All right, kiddo, bye. There's James off up to... He all sounds like he's in a wind tunnel in that car. I mean, I don't know what, whether he's still driving the Mini. I think he's got... You don't think he's got the roof down on a morning like this. It's freezing cold out there, bless his heart. Peter off... Yeah, I bet he's got his elbow out of the window, you know. I was going to say cigarette on, but he doesn't smoke. It'd be quite fun. I used to put my elbow on the window. You know, I don't do it now because I've got, um... I've got leather leather items, you know, to put your foot... You know, don't need to put your hand out in the window. And also, I never have the windows open because it's uh, there's pollution out there and I've just got air conditioning, which is nice. Peter off the Notting Hills says, I was told there'd be thunderstorms today and now the forecast is light showers. We haven't had a decent thunderstorm in London for about three years. Do you know, I like a decent thunderstorm as well. I do like a decent thunderstorm. I know some people hate it. Some, my, my grandmother used to uh, turn... Um, the, so I've just got confused. She used to turn the mirrors round to face the wall during a thunderstorm and wrap cutlery up because she was worried if a bolt of lightning came through, it would... It would and so she wasn't happy. Didn't like that at all. Uh, good Lord. Down in Brighton in East Sussex, Charlie is, uh, is uh, the news... Is it, oh, he hasn't sent it to me. Oh, he sent it to internal. I'm just reading that, thinking, why would the news editor down at uh, Kenton Radio in Hart be sending something into me in this morning? Which I quite like that, because I thought that thing he was talking about there was about the wind in London. It was nothing to do with that at all. I got a bit excited, actually, that somebody from one of our sister stations... We always call them, We never call them brother stations. We notice they're always sister stations. Why are they not called brother stations? I think they should be... Or mother sta- No, we are, we are the mother station. We are the mother station, and they would be... But they never call them, they never call them uh, brothers, do they? Anyway, so uh, on the front page of Daily Mirror today... Uh, get yourself some aero bubbles from Neto. Whoopie doo. And here she is, Naomi. I'm really a nice person. Campbell, uh, at her celebrating 25 years since she burst onto the catwalk. And she's been a pain in the rear end ever since, I'm afraid. Oh, where are you from, dear Streatham? Who are you dating? Billionaire. Okay. And now you've got this fake quasi American accent. You really are, aren't you, peculiar? Never forget your roots, they say. In her case, it grows on somebody else's head and then they put it on hers. And I uh, guess you've turned up to the birthday party. They were all there at Dolce and Gabbana's London Shore, uh, London Store. And uh, Ollie Murs turned up. Obviously, decided to shove him round to all the charity events, get there. And apparently, the funniest sight. 
was a PR woman leaning over the barrier going to, to all the waiting paparazzi. I've got Joe McKeldry. Joe McKeldry's here. I've got Joe McKeldry. Because what they do when they, when they appear on television, their PRs are trying to get them publicity. So they say, Joe, tonight you're doing the Dolce & Gabbana party. All right, who about to be talking to? You'd be talking to nobody, dear. Okay, nobody. Uh, just going out there. And then laugh the other day on, on Watchdog. No, it wasn't on Watchdog. It must have been on a news programme. Was it a news programme? I don't know. Uh, come Anyway, uh, they then go down, because it was the end of London Fashion Week, and they talk to Oswald Botang. So he's standing there being very polite, and the reporter says, before we talk to you, Oswald, uh, here's a film I made earlier with some bloke out in the town talking about fashion, and they're looking at uh, English fashion blokes. So they go through Carnaby Street, and who's the first person they stop? One of the Lavender Twins. One of the Lavender Twins wearing shorts, quite, I mean... <sighs> I'm sorry, but I don't think fashion now is shorts, flip-flops and a T-shirt that makes it look like you've got breasts. You know, man boobs are so out, I'm afraid, at the moment. And they ask him and they go, so we're, we're looking at London fashion. You go, well, I don't think actually it's me, is it? And uh, I thought, no, it's not. But they had to remind you of who he was, which was a bit, uh, a bit tacky, I'm afraid. Uh, the Pope enjoyed his uh, visit here. That was nice, wasn't it? Even though he didn't stop to talk to me. Oh, we'll go on about it. You know, but I really think His Holiness could have stopped next time. Next time, can we stop behaving like the Mafia and start pretending they're a little bit like the head of the Roman Catholic Church? And uh, a lot of people down my end of the road might have wanted to actually wave and clap and cheer and all the rest of it. I wasn't clapping and cheering, I just wanted to see what he looked like. Uh, Kate Garraway was on television yesterday. They've obviously decided if they can't get an audience, get the girls to strip off. So Kate was wearing uh, a dress that had bosoms out the frontier and good heavens above, and there they all were. And uh, anyway, somebody obviously... uh, sort of went, oh, I a little bit too revealing, dear. So by the time, second time she appeared, she changed outfits and looked all... Obviously, somebody saying, listen, you're making Christine Bleakley feel insecure, OK? So, because she's not attractive and you look very attractive and you're more experienced. So, you know, be, be very careful, OK? Uh, I've noticed uh, that John Prescott has been refused entry to the, the uh, Conservative Party conference. John apparently has been hired by Daybreak to be a roving reporter. Jo- I know, John Prescott. Well, that's what they've said here. They've actually said uh, they're a little bit worried about him punching Cameron. John Prescott, honestly. First of all, the wife's tried a hand at presenting, and that was nothing short of dismal. So now they've got the fat bloke in. And, uh, I mean, how embarrassing at his age. Lord Prescott gets a job as a a humble reporter. Dear. It's all a bit sad, isn't it, really? Uh, I said we found another benefit fraudster. Sorry today. Uh, This is Baldy the Clown who's admitted £5,000 benefit fraud. So now he said as he left court, you know, my reputation is in ruins. And so it should be. Wouldn't want you any near, anywhere near my, my children or anybody like that. Not, not a very funny clown at all. In fact, a benefit fraudster. So uh, not very good, is it? Not very nice at all. They've uh, found the bloke who dumped the dog. And uh, they've also found the, uh, the girlfriend of him. They're a right pair of old naffos, I'm afraid. Uh, Brian Reed is talking about legend in his own head, Robbie Williams, who has confessed here, superstardom gets everyone in the end. Elvis went mental, I went mental. (laughs) And Brian Reid says, I wouldn't say mental, Robbie, just spectacularly deluded that you should link yourself with the word superstar when your one failed take that comeback away from being linked with superdrug as a security man. Because Robbie Williams is nothing if not delusional. You know, couldn't get a gig anywhere. Um, I think I'll rejoin Take That. OK, it's great. Because I, I do have two Take That fans who write in and they try and convince me that uh, Robbie Williams going back to Take That is a brilliant idea. Whereas 85% of Take That fans are going, who gives us stuff? 
Nobody cares. We did very well without him. He was the one, of course, who left the group and then had to get people to sing all his songs, which was nice when you go out to do a concert. Or failing that, get Jonathan, I'm your handbag, Wilkes, to come and sing along as well, which is really good fun, isn't it? I do love it. I love it the other day when the ferry boss, uh, Pim DeLanger, said in the press that British seafarers are fat and tattooed. He said, and of course it was taken out of context, but the union couldn't wait to jump on it, could they? Ooh, that's absolutely outrageous to say that, you know, a lot of British sailors are fat and tattooed. Showing us a nice picture of Bob Crow, who is fat, whether he's tattooed or not, I've got no idea. But most union bosses are well-fed, well-fat cats, let me tell you. Doing very nicely, thank you. And then you look at some of these people and you think, but who's actually complained about this? Have, have some of the fat people complained in the union, in which case then it's very funny, uh, or is it thin people complaining? Because I can't imagine who would complain apart from union bosses who try and justify their huge fat cat salaries. I don't know, talk, you don't talk about government ministers, you talk about union bosses and people who run companies, that's who makes all the money. 27 minutes to six, Nathan Morley, my best friend in the whole wide world, is uh, with us now on the line. Morning, Nathan. Good morning, uh, Steve. How are we today? Well, all right. I was just uh, enjoying your 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 uh, remarks about fat union bosses, and you did mention Mr. Crow, I believe. That yes, yes. Who, who spent uh, a few weeks here, sunning himself at a expensive apartment in Paphos. I was reading yes. in the newspaper. Well, in fact, um, it was pointed out to me the other day that, of course, bearing in mind he is elected by his union members, who also govern his salary. I thought, yes, but but what do they expect you to do for that? Identifying a lot of union members tend to do what they're told. You know, if somebody mm. says you're, you're, you're coming out on strike, you tend to go out on strike, otherwise they threaten you with all sorts of things. So or he can, he can bore you to tears when he's on Sky News, yes. uh, talk, talking eloquent rubbish. Um, they do learn to uh, talk I, eloquent uh, rubbish, uh, you're right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I always find that they're just this particular breed of people who run trade unions, and they all come in the mould of Crow or Scargill, you know. <laughs> what a, do you know <laughs> where is... Where is Arthur Scargill now? Well, he opened his own political party um, oh. some years ago. I can't remember the name. I think it was called the New New Labour Party or something like that. Mm. And uh, I think he was running it from his house in Sheffield or wherever it is he is, somewhere up north. Wasn't he kicked uh, out of the union? Didn't the National Union of Mine Workers kick him out recently? Well, I don't think that we've got any mines left, have we? No, I, I didn't think so. But he, he was a familiar sight just... with that shredded wheat on his head, you know, wandering around, sort of stirring up hatred and things like that. And then, of course, he's disappeared. Well, yeah, I think once he realised, once he, the mines all actually... He didn't realise what he was doing, I suppose, in retrospect. No. <laughs> this is going to end our, our, you know, our jobs, our lives, our, our careers, but... Uh, no, I, I think he went into politics, minor politics, had a little party, a little kind of socialist party, and he lives in a, a, in a house up north and um, occasionally gives speeches, I believe, at uh, working men's clubs. Yeah. Not that there are many working men in the north, I have to be honest No, but you. there are loads of working men clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough. Actually, talking of working men, there's been lots of stories in the papers recently about the Titanic saying now that uh, far from trying to avoid the iceberg, the ship steered into the iceberg. There are lots yes. of talks about how when the, the captain uh, took over, he made some changes before it sailed, which involved getting rid of key members of crew or demoting them, one of whom had the binoculars for the lookout. So consequently, mm. the lookout didn't have any binoculars. There were some on board ship, but the lookouts didn't have them, so the first they saw of the iceberg was when it hove to view three miles away. 
Right. I know the, this story. This is um, on the back of a new book by somebody whose grandfather was on yes, it, and she yes. claimed she waited 45 years before revealing this yes. so-called secret. Yes. I heard her on the wireless the other day. Did she sound believable? And I don't, I don't buy it. No, I didn't buy into it either, I'm afraid. I think she's got a great... She's going to have great book sales. Yeah. Great books. It's going to be a huge hit. No, not on the scale of Tony Blair's yeah. bonkers memoirs, but it's going to be great. You know, she'll get a car out of it. But I need to I find out who, who the book is is published. I can't remember what the what the book is called. But if I knew who the publisher was, I could tell you just how accurate I would think it would be. Because <laughs> there are certain oh, well, publishers that print I, any old rubbish. She. What didn't convince me, and, and uh, you know, I'm not, uh, is that she said she was trying to protect her grandfather's reputation. That's why she didn't let the secret out for all these years. He was oh. one of the only surviving officers. Frankly, I don't buy that. Yeah. I don't buy it at all. I think if you know uh, a completely different theory on, and then actually, secondly, she said in the interview, oh, she was writing bo- a book about other ships, and she just thought, oh, maybe I'll add this story as well. Oh. Well, come on, <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> you, you know the gr- the greatest secret in the world, and and many of the accounts say that uh, the, uh, the the watchman had binoculars, didn't they? Many of the uh, passengers and crew had their own testimony. Yeah. testimony which was, oh, I don't believe it. Either. No, I mean, I, I I think everything has been uh, talked about on the uh, the title. I can't find what the uh, what the book is, but there's a, there's all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's an eight DVD box set here, the entire oh, story. But I'm blowed if I can find her uh, her her book. I've had I've had a good. Oh. I've just typed in Titanic, and it hasn't uh, hasn't helped me very much. I'm afraid. Have you got her on the coming on the show? No, no, no. I'm just I'm just trying to find out. Who it's who it's published by? Oh right, okay. I'll have it somewhere in my email box. Yeah, that's where it comes from. Blowed if I can find a blooming thing though. There's, there seems to be nothing printed above 1998, 2003. There's also a book, 101 Things You Thought You Knew About the Titanic but Didn't, but that was published in April. Hers, I'm assuming, is fairly recent. 101 things... I don't know 100 things about the Titanic. Oh, did you not? Oh, right. Oh. Oh, I only know... I don't know the... the I was reading about Bruce Ismay, yes. who was the, um... The uh, 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 one of the directors of White Star Line about mm. his life recently because he's buried over there in London. He has yes. a, 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 and you know he got a very bad press, and uh, you know about him trying to get off the ship and him trying to speed the ship up. And if that is the case, then uh, he should have never been vilified, I suppose, because mm. this wouldn't have happened, would it? You know, no, I mean, I, I think that the reason we're still talking about it is because it was sold to us as the ship that would never sink. It was the unsinkable Titanic. It was almost Her destined to sink. Her name is Brianna Gunter. Who? Brianna Gunter. Brianna Gunter. And the iceberg collision was a result of a steering error. Right. That's, uh, uh, that's well, how the, you'd that's... know this and then hang on to that information for 45 years strikes me as being somewhat suspect. It does, me as well. She I, wasn't I, on board I, I, the I mean, I, I appreciate that it's a good yarn. Yeah. Um, but I just don't believe it. I'm, I'm sorry, and I did hear her on the radio, and uh, and I have read the pieces in the paper. But how you could, because it changes every aspect of the of, of history yes. of the Titanic. Yes. The people whose whose characters were were put on show and put in court. Um, uh, you know, the the the, the men who were um, said they were negligent. Well, were they now? You know, yeah. I think all these people have died. It's a ridiculous. Cut, I remember but... complaining on uh, on the program years ago because French and Saunders did a skit on Titanic, 
And I remember complaining bitterly because they, they locked the gates from the third-class passengers who were down in the bowels of the ship, and they couldn't get up. So that's why a lot of people drowned down there, and they made a joke about it. And I said it was mm. absolutely unforgivable to do a joke about that. People lost their lives. You know, you could do that a joke a about practice. so many things, but you couldn't do a joke about people losing their lives on, on things like that. Brian Reed even says, a new book, he says, throws fresh light on how the Titanic sank. Does anybody else wish the entire Titanic industry would sink? Yes. Yes, I do. I think Bob Ballard opened the can of worms when he discovered the wreck. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a multi-multi-billion dollar industry, the Titanic. Would you not want to go down? Uh, would you not want to go any down? kind of memory. Would you not want to go, to go down to it if somebody said, I've got your ticket, we're going to take you down no, in a submersible? No, it's three miles down. That, that is very dangerous, well, you I'm know. You're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from getting to the bottom of my swimming pool. I, I, I would pay serious money to go down there. Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Well, you could probably get on a junket if you want. Talk to this Brianna Gunter. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See if I can get a freebie to go down. Oh, I'd love to go down there. I would no, love to you. go down. No, I think the old wreck should just be left where it is now. Oh, and, no. Uh, I, think, I mean, I loved it when they actually sent the little submersibles inside the ship and they went along the corridors, they went mm. into some of the uh, the room. Oh, God, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I suppose it's OK for a novelty vibe, but uh, it takes seven hours to get down there, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, to, to travel th- three miles of water is something like seven hours. And the pressure on you is is enormous on the body, and if, for example, there was some error, wouldn't you just be squashed in a millisecond? I th- well, I don't... Just, uh, well, I mean, you implode. would if all of a sudden the thing sprung a leak, but I love the idea that you go down... It's two miles down, anyway, and you go down and down and down, it's pitch black, and then they switch on the lights, and there it is, the front of the ship. Oh, that yeah. would just be absolutely unbelievable. Oh, you could do it at home, in the comfort of your own home, with Bob Ballard's Great Titanic Moments DVD. Yeah. Which, uh... Have you seen, have you seen the, uh, the film, uh, I think it's called Into the Abyss? Yes. Which, yes. Is, which is lovely, which is the can. Disney film. And again, they actually take you on board the ship, and then they recreate the ship around the bits that they've filmed on. Oh, it's lovely. I'd love to have been there. I th- I th- things like that are fascinating. I'd love to crawl inside a pyramid and actually go down the same route that they took the body in before they then put the blocks in to stop people trying to get to it. Oh, I'd love well, to Well, I can that. arrange that for you. Yes, I thought you might be able to. That's You've been close friends them. with Tutankhamun's son, as it were. Actually, I, had a, I was thinking of you the other day, because okay. I, I ordered a disc, and I thought, oh, Steve would love this. Um... <laughs> It's a show from the 70s. You might remember it first time round. It had Simon Cadell in it, who played Jeffrey Fairbrother in Heidi High, you yes. know, a great actor. Yes. And he was in it. It's from the 70s called Enemy at the Door. Oh, I've do seen Do you remember that. it? Yes, it was I do about the German the occupation of Guernsey. Yes, yes, I do remember it, yes. And they've released it on DVD 27 episodes, and I thought, oh, Steve would like this, because I know you like a good yarn. I do, but I wouldn't buy that, you see. I've just bought Never the Twain, series one <laughs> and two, plus Bless <laughs> This House, the full series. Yeah. And, uh, and I've also got uh, the last one of um, the one with Margot in, The Good Life. Oh, The Good Life. Yeah, I've got the Bless This House full series. That's, I've got the, uh, got the box set. Which tough going. Oh, really? oh, I thought it was really good. The funny thing you notice in that is that they obviously decide to change the theme tune halfway through, so they brought in a brass band, and it's not half as good. <laughs> I loved all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm stuck in the 70s, me. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you, you never the twain, the wonderful Zara Nutley was in it, who was 
Also, you might remember in Mind Your Language played the headmistress. Just the great, one of these great comedy actors who never gets mentioned anymore. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that lovely lady that you like who moved from Sky uh, yeah. called... Lucy Narasami. Yes, I know. She was, she was struggling the other day trying to pronounce a word. The word was arboretum. She couldn't quite get arboretum out. It was a little oh, bit Oh, poor love. I know. They're obviously not I as bright as I would take her in thought. my arms and love her and make it everything better. Yes, I I, yes. Anyway, we have to leave it there. It's lovely to talk to uh, you. Call the police. Are you sure? And, uh, yes, they really. continue for another five minutes. No, I'm, I'm cooking on gas this morning. <laughs> yes, but it is just <laughs> bottled, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, now, I'm waiting for a complaint to come from this author now. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm, exa- we all are. The trouble is, I always doubt anybody who then comes up with a book 45 years afterwards and then goes, I did it to protect her and says, well, I'd never even heard of her uncle or whatever he was. Never even Yeah, heard of well, uh, I'll, I'll keep my ear to the ground on this one. And by the way, my name is Brian Reed, and <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm James Max. Great to talk to and you as well. welcome to Radio London. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Take care, mate. Take care. Uh, Bye. My friend Hugh says steering error. Huh, indeed. They shouldn't... They should not have run their route so far north through the ice fields. Fairly obvious error. Dopey woman, he says. And he would know. He would know about these things. The trouble is, with this particular ice flow, there was one of these icebergs, and as you know, there's more of it under the water than there is on top of the water. And you can do that yourself at home. If you get an ice cube and drop it into a glass of water... Most of your ice is under the water. Have you noticed that with a gin and tonic? Most of it is under. Hugh, if you're looking at your gin and tonic now, it's just under the water. He does like a gin and tonic, doesn't he, at this time? Helps get him through the day. <laughs> but that's what it's... Uh, in fact, some of these ice... These um, things are huge. And this one was apparently sweeping down into the wrong area. Either way, I'd have loved to have been there. I'd love to have been there. Of course, in, in the days nowadays, you've got helicopters and stuff like that. In those days, they had absolutely nothing apart from pitch black. And that can't have been much fun, can it? 14 minutes to six. These are the headlines. A man's been charged with the murder of a toddler who died after being rescued from a fire in south-east London. The 19-month-old girl died in hospital following the fire at a flat in Camberwell on Saturday. London Underground have until this afternoon to decide whether to drop plans to cut 800 jobs from the Tube network or face another 24-hour strike. The RMT and TSSA unions exclusively told LBC yesterday they've given London Underground 24 hours. If there's no change, they say a strike on October the 3rd will go ahead. The Deputy Prime Minister has announced Britain will double its spending on maternal health and child mortality in poor countries. Speaking at the United Nations in New York, Nick Clegg says the move would help save the lives of at least 50,000 women and a quarter of a million babies. Check on the roads for you this morning. Rachel Hardiman, LBC 97.3. I'm not saying that lightly. I want you to worry about that in a moment. Uh, Anyway, nice to be company this morning. It's uh, Thursday. Noreen says, morning, Steve, Paul and Nathan. Hope Paul had a great time as he brought your shirt. He's not back. He said, this has got to be the longest holiday in living memory. I think what he's done is he's taken my money and he's invested it overseas and he's won a fortune and he's staying there. Anyway, Noreen had a brilliant day in London, saw the Boris bikes. Don't forget, she says, I am a yokel. I went on a Boris bike again yesterday. Uh, We went to Buckingham Palace, which was lovely. Then it all went wrong. Uh, I go to get on the green line, ask where I want in St Albans, where the bus terminates. The driver says he wasn't going there as he didn't know the way. And then another passenger said she'd direct him. So we did a magical mystery tour of St Albans and I was late getting home, got dropped off yards from home in the end. My friend and I were ringing each other in hysterics. Great day. 
My friend, if she saw someone taking a photo of their friend or partner, was asking if they wanted me to take their photo. <laughs> Very good programme, Shadow, about young boys at boarding school on BBC Two. I read the reviews. I didn't see it. It would have brought back memories, I think, for all these poor little eight-year-olds who get shoved off to prep school. Uh, because, and not necessarily because their parents could afford it, because I went, but my parents couldn't afford it, but the REF paid. So I was what's coming as a subsidised child, but I didn't get anything different. You know, we got exactly the same. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and you were sort of promised all sorts of things, you know. You get a mug of cocoa before bed and an apple in bed. and re- You don't get anything like that at all. And you have to grow up pretty quickly if you're going to go to prep school. But as the, as the reviewer said, it makes you very articulate at the age of eight and nine. You can hold a conversation with an adult quite easily, whereas a lot of eight-year-olds, they, they, they can barely string two words. In fact, most adults can't string two words together. But as an eight-year-old, you can string a conversation together and you're using big words. And you can actually have an intelligent conversation with an adult all the way through your, your prep school years, because that's what you do, because people talk to you as an adult. They don't talk to you as a, as a child. You're, you're spoken to as an adult. You're treated as an adult, and you're expected to grow up pretty quickly. And the growing up means that, you know, we, we have to get over the homesickness... And you have to get over the crying, and you have to get over the fact that mummy's not coming to tuck you up in bed, and there's nobody there, and you don't sometimes see them till either the end of term or half term, depending on what sort of border you are. And uh, and it can be quite tough for little boys. So you grow up pretty quick, and it makes you very very sort of thick skinned because there's not. Let's face it, if you can survive that at eight years old, you can just about survive anything. It's like the elderly people nowadays, and you uh, and you and, and people say, oh, they're they're very weak. You think they came through a war. They came through a war. They're not weak at all. They came through a war, for God's sake. How would you like to live with that kind of thing? Not knowing if you were going to go off to work and come back and find your house was destroyed or in bricks or in rubble. and stuff. Nobody knew. You know, it makes you tough nowadays. You've got to toughen people up. And the ruder you are to somebody, the tougher they are. Midget. Head out. Thank you. Here's your coffee. Yeah, thanks. So you should be getting it. Yes, yes, I, I really didn't care, actually. I thought, you know, I, I gave her the cold. Last thing I wanted her to come back, because I, ho- I was hoping a week. But uh, sadly, she managed to get herself better in a day, because she was off yesterday. She, she did the whole bit. <coughs> she did the whole coughing and wheezing bit. I thought, that's right, spread your germs. And then she went, but you gave me the cold. I said, yeah, well, you know, you're not getting a present this year. That's your present for Christmas. They don't understand. They don't appreciate you, do they, young people nowadays? They just take you for granted. I said to her, I said, you'll be sorry when I'm not here. She said, no, I won't. She's like that. She's quite heartless. I said, you'll miss me. She said, no, I won't. I thought, well, there you go. Uh, Ray says, uh, I thought you'd be interested in the Liberace Museum. I don't think you're listening to this programme anymore, Ray. I've got quite worried. He says here, there's a lot of backdoor financial wheelie dealing involved, which we talked about. And he said, too bad it'll be shut by the time you get to Las Vegas. Well, it won't be. It's still open. That's the reason we go. Well, we're not specifically going for that. It doesn't close till the 17th. I go to Las Vegas next week. Well, I mean, not next... Yeah, she's going, Wee, he's away, he's away, plane crash. Ah, <laughs> She said to... Already she said... She sent me an email. It's, it's under the guise of, you know, hope, you, hope you're really looking forward to your holiday, have a nice time. By the way, this is my address if you want to put me down as next of kin on your insurance. Jeez, honestly, can you believe that? When you fill in the details at the airport, you spell it like this. And she spelt it all out phonetic in big letters and her address. So that if anything untoward should happen to me on the plane, like, you know, I get food poisoning with a packet of salted peanuts or, or choke on them or something like that, she, she, she cops the lot. She gets that £50 watch. I bought a wash bag yesterday for £50. I told her this morning, thinking she'd be really impressed. And she went, £50? 
I said, yeah. She said, 50... She said, why? I said, because I'm rich. And uh, there was no other... I couldn't think of any other answer. I'm not going to turn up with a little plastic wash bag, am I? Because I'm Steve Allen. Because people might want to go... You know, at the airport, people will want to go through... It's not monogram, but I'm going to get in some stick-on letters today. And people will want to go through your, your suitcase. So, I've, so whenever I go away... I buy everything brand new. Socks, pants, everything. So everything... I can't take anything old. So I've got a new electric toothbrush I'm taking. I bought some new shower gel yesterday. So I'm using Giorgio Armani at the moment. Uh, which is, like, really expensive. But not half as expensive as some of the other ones I've had. And so I'm taking... And then some friend of mine said, you won't better take that because you have to put it in a plastic bag because it's a liquid and it's over 100 milliliters or something else. And then because I'm taking insulin, some with me and then some in a, in a cool bag... Um, you've got to take your prescription to show them that you... T- and then, of course, I've got to take needles. I mean, by the time I've loaded half... Th- and then my shaver. By the time you've taken half of the bathroom, there's hardly any room for clothes at all. So I'm going to need these shirts coming back from Thailand with Paul Savory. But, uh, but I'll, I'll let you know about the Liberace Museum. We actually get there on the 3rd or the 4th, I think. And then uh, the mu- museum closes on the 17th. Teeth, so I should I should be back before it's closed. But I'm hoping to get a waistcoat or something like that. Okay, the uh, uh, new Titanic book, Good as Gold, by Louise Patton, granddaughter of uh, Lightoller. So let's see if I can find it. Wait a minute. Let's, so it's called Good as Gold. Now, once I've seen who the publisher is, I shall have a better idea. Good, good. Oh, I've just typed in the wrong thing. I've got. I can't even write here. Wait a minute. Where's that? Okay. Oh, God, blimey, I tell you, this, my spelling is getting awful here. Yeah, could you just type in good as gold? You watch her spelling's terrible as well. She's, uh, she's worse than I am. That's right, good as gold. There it is, top one. And uh, let's see who it's published by. Oh, is that it? There, no, that's Joe. There, there it is, by Louise, by Louise Patton. Available for pre-order. Right, so click on it. Who, who's it published by? It doesn't tell us so far. I'm just curious to know who the publisher is. Uh, da, da, da. And it's funny, it didn't tell you anything at all. Why does it not tell you who the, uh, the publisher is? Isn't that a bizarre thing? Normally it tells you, doesn't it? Look at that, it's £8.18. Oh. It's not half as good value as the LBC diary. The Londoner's diary is... If you type in Londoner's diary on there, uh, it's the LBC one, which you can get... I've ordered four... Because what it's got, each month... Oh, sad, I know. Why have you bought a leather wash bag? Same reason that I bought four LBC diaries. Because uh, I thought they'd be nice Christmas presents for people. She's not getting one. And, um, and so it's got faux, faux leather, and I think it's in black. Whether they come in other colours, I'm not too sure. And each month, a different presenter has written about that particular month. And my one, of course, is Christmas. Why? Because I'm the Christmas expert. I am the person who loves Christmas the most. I'm the person who could celebrate Christmas... 12 months of the year. I don't have any problem with let's just do it in... De- I mean, I get even more excited come December, but I can guarantee you in Las Vegas there will be Christmas shops and I will be going into the Christmas shops and I will be buying things. I don't know what... I'm always looking for something interesting. I'm, I know, I'm going to be... I know, in 45-degree heat, I'm going to be buying Christmas stuff. When I went to uh, San Francisco, they've got a radio station out there called 97.3. And so I took a photograph, a bit of an anorak, uh, of their, their truck. And then we went on to Pier 54. And what's on Pier 54? A Christmas shop. And where did I go? The Christmas shop. And did I buy anything? Yes, because it's Christmas. And we were boiling over there. So you've got one-minute crabs. Well, I didn't have, but they were sitting on the top of um, 
a, a dustbin lid. And I didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, they because the Bay of San Francisco, they go fishing for crabs. You can see Al- Alcatraz, and then they've got all these seals basking on rocks. And then they've got crabs that they bring in, and they were sitting on a lid next to them. And I, and I said to the friend I was with, I said, oh, crabs. And, and he went, where? I went, over there. And then just as we said that, the bloke came outside, it was outside a restaurant, and he tipped them from the lid in. It was boiling water they were sitting on. And I felt really awful about it. I thought, I wish I'd never mentioned it, because perhaps he might have forgotten them. Because that's what you're supposed to do with crabs. And far from them screaming, it's the air escaping from the shell. But I've never eaten crab. I've, I've never eaten, you know, I've had little jars of crab paste, but never, never crab or anything. Oh, I couldn't. Or lobster. I couldn't eat it. I know people sort of say, oh, it's really lovely. Oh, no, thank you. I told you, I went out for a meal one night with, um, with a good friend of mine. And, uh, and he asked them to bring out the... Um, was it? Yeah, it must have been lobster as well. And to prove that they were fresh, he made them walk across the table. So they moved, and the next time we saw them, they were covered with orange sauce. And I'd never eaten lobster before. And I didn't want to show my ignorance of the fact that it just really wasn't the kind of thing that I wanted to eat. And so I said, he said, oh, sh- shall I crack the claws open? But no! No, thank you very much indeed. I know there's people listening who go, oh, you can't beat lobster and all that. Not for me. It's not, I'm, I'm happier with a fish finger. I am really. I mean, give me a packet of fish fingers and some roll. In fact, actually, on reflection, I think we might have to eat fish fingers in rolls this morning. I've just got this craving for fit for some some nice rolls, buttered, or failing that some uh, some Thousand Island dressing, which would be very nice, and then and then put three fish fingers in there. Oh, sounds delicious, doesn't it? I bet if you're lying in bed, you're going. I wish you'd shut up about the food, Lark. Dream. Morning, team. It's nicely ironed this morning, Kevin. I'm very pleased. Ever since I mentioned to Kevin about the other day about coming in with a T-shirt that looked like he just climbed out of bed. I've got this thing about, because I don't wear T-shirts, because I'm of the age now where, you know, you get to a certain age where people say, you shouldn't be wearing a T-shirt, you're too old. And, uh, and he doesn't own an iron. So I said, it looks like years ago when students used to lift up the mattress and put the T-shirt there and then put the mattress back down. So by the morning, it would be ironed. Well, that's what they thought. But, it, I mean, most students have got no idea. You see... I would be the sort of person, I've got a little travel line at home, which I take with me. So if I'm out somewhere, you know, perhaps in the car or something like that, I plug it in and I can quickly put a crease in my jeans or something. And so, so when I arrive the other end, you know, I look perfectly pressed. I do do my own ironing. I'm constantly, all right, I employ somebody to do the ironing bit. All right. But at least, but then the nice thing is that I, I, all my shirts are pristine. And luckily with my body... And the heat, we can sort of, you know, we can iron them ourselves. But I don't, I nearly bought a T-shirt the other day to take on holiday. And then I thought, I don't really know if T-shirts, because they've all got slogans on the front. And I don't know what sort of slogan I would have. What does it say on the front of your one, Kevin? What is it? Is it a picture of somebody? What is it? Is it Burton? I thought it was Burton Ernie. That's nice, isn't it? So, uh, anyway... <laughs> Ernie, I ask you. You want to give up, don't you? And it's only Thursday. Nick Ferrari this morning, after news at seven, he's going to be talking about the state of Virginia in America, preparing for the execution of Theresa Lewis. This is the woman that we mentioned on the programme uh, three or four days ago, where she's elected to, uh, for her execution to be lethal injection. Now, given the choice is either lethal injection or electric chair... Uh, I would think that lethal injection would be, hands down, the method of execution that you would choose. She's got severe learning difficulties, and they're now saying, should she be facing the death penalty? They're also saying the reason this has made the news is because I think she's the first woman to be executed there in donkey's years. But it's it's lethal injection. And uh, whichever way you think about the death penalty, I don't know. We've, we've discussed 
at length on LBC over the years, and every time it comes up, you're very firmly divided on whether or not we should reintroduce the death penalty. What happens if, as has happened in so many cases before, you make a mistake? Now they're saying that because of forensic and the way that it has changed over the years, there's very little chance that uh, people make mistakes. But we've executed people in the past, and they shouldn't have been executed. She won't be the first person with severe learning difficulties who will have been executed. It's, uh, it's, quite a, it's quite a horrendous thing to watch. There will be an audience there made up of journalists and, I think, family members. And as in the case of lethal injection, you're strapped to a gurney and you've got the injection going into your arm and then the tubes lead, lead outside. And I think three people push the button so they never know which person has the lethal dose and which person pushes the button for it because they all push it so they've got no idea who it is i mean far that as far as i'm concerned than um than the electric chair you read such awful stories on the internet uh, about people who've died horribly in the electric chair where it's gone right and it just looks absolutely dreadful however there will be those who will argue that if somebody has committed a crime like that um that would be the best that would be the best method you know a life for a life as in the case of the Ceausescu's, and I keep highlighting that, where the Ceausescu's were found guilty of war crimes, uh, both of them, him and her, and they had the war crimes, and he was poo-pooing it, and he... I don't think he seriously thought in his own mind that anything was going to happen. I think he thought that he was above the law, and I think she thought exactly the same. And, and he was literally, after the court found him guilty, he was taken outside immediately and executed, and I think she was... The look on her face as he was taken outside, still protesting, and, and they, they were said, no, it won't happen. And it did happen. It happened very quickly. And then they took her out, and she was executed at the same time. So th- they're going to be talking about this this morning. They're going to be talking about it on news programmes. You're going to be talking about it all day on LBC, whether or not uh, this woman should have actually faced the death penalty. Plus, St Mary's Hospital in Sidcup faces closure over the winter due to lack of staff... Gosh, I thought we had loads of people, but it appears we haven't. All of that and more with uh, Nick uh, Ferrari. The business hit with Tony Craze from dawntraders.com will be in the studio. Actually, I've seen Tony for a couple of days running now, although I didn't see him yesterday. Quentin Letts will be on the programme as well. And uh, the police cuts could spark a crime rise, so reports the standard. True or a gross exaggeration? I do like this one. This, this, this will actually appeal to my, uh, to my producer. This, one, this was sent in to me by Rosemary. And it's headlined, A Real Man. A real man is a woman's best friend. He'll never stand her up, never let her down. He'll reassure her when she feels insecure and comfort her after a bad day. He'll inspire her to do things she never thought she could do, to live without fear and forget regret. He'll enable her to express her deepest emotions and give in to her most intimate desires. He'll make sure she always feels as though she's the most beautiful woman in the room and will enable her to be the most confident, sexy, seductive and invincible. No, wait, sorry. I'm thinking of wine. It's wine that does that. It's wine. I do beg your pardon. Thank you, Rosemary. It's a good one, that, isn't it? I read it to a friend of mine over the phone last night and she was taking it. She go, oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's wine. Thank you. It's wine. It's wine that does that. Wine that makes people feel, you know, as they're the best person in the world. Incidentally, after yesterday's toilet story, Barbara Windsor uh, being refused at the Total Garage in Cold Harbour Lane in Hayes to use the toilet, we got a flurry an absolute flurry of phone calls and emails and text messages from people saying it's absolutely outrageous. I mean, when women need to go, unlike men who can hang on to it for a lot longer, women 
double up in pain. And Barbara was doubled up in pain and still they wouldn't let her use the toilet in the garage. And then we were sort of saying, but what about if that had been somebody suffering from colitis or, or uh, Crohn's or any other illness whereby you need to go to... If you're pregnant, you need to go to the toilet. It's not a case of, oh, no, it's only for staff. It's a case of, I need to go to the toilet. And I'm going to create merry hell if you don't let me use your toilet. And then I couldn't find out yesterday whether or not it was a legal requirement that garages had to have a toilet. Because I see them in most garages, customers' toilets, and they're there. Now, to refuse Barbara Windsor, I'm afraid, is, is like refusing the Pope, as far as I'm concerned. There's a lady standing in front of you who's instantly recognisable, and you go with your barefaced cheek, no. And you think, you need a bit of a slap, I'm afraid. Quarter past six. News headline, Sam Pittis. Say, this morning from seven, LBC 97.3. 17 minutes past six, I hear a scurrilous piece of gossip that Martin Lewis, the money expert, was mistaken for Louis Spence the other day. <laughs> they do look very similar, don't they? And the same, you know, hands in the air and waving all about and all that, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, 84850, steve at hello. Oh, Help a London Child. Now, you know, we're very heavily involved with Help a London Child here on uh, LBC, and they've got 40 places at this year's Royal Parks, Foundation Hearts and Heritage Walk. Now, the good news is, if you're single, this one is for you. 13.1 miles. If you can't meet somebody in 13.1 miles, you're not trying. It takes place on Sunday the 10th of October, which, as far as I remember, is the first day back for me, having been away. And it'll take you through the streets and parks of London, starting and finishing in Hyde Park. Now, it's the perfect backdrop if you're looking to meet new, like-minded, single people. You don't have to be single to do it, but if you fancy doing it, it's a good way to meet people. It's like I've discovered taking a Boris bike. You meet loads of people, loads of people. So if you're looking for that special someone, you can sign up today. Be part of the walk for our very own Help a London Child charity and raise money for disadvantaged children across the capital. For more information and details of how to register, go to www.lbc.co.uk forward slash Help a London Child. lbc.co.uk forward slash help a London child. I'm delighted to say yesterday as well, you all went onto the LBC website to have a look at the pictures of me at the Lion King exhibition. It's worth going to if you're in if you're in town. Actually, we should have sent Noreen there the other day. There's her wandering about Buckingham Palace, getting a, she could have gone for the Lion King exhibition. Free. Didn't cost a penny piece to go up there. We even took Chinese Amanda up there. She was very happy. Happy at home with people she recognised, like zebras and Things like that. And uh, so far from me looking at the cuddly toys, thinking of Christmas presents, she was trying to shove herself onto one of the shelves to be a cuddly toy for Christmas, because she's about the same height. And in fact, at one point, I think somebody came in and picked her up and took her to the till, but she didn't have a barcode on, so back on the shelf she went. And um, so I was... It's because you're priceless, isn't it? And they didn't... Yeah, exactly, so you're priceless. I think we'll leave it at that one. But anyway, so if you want to go to the LBC website, and I urge you to do so, it's lbc.co.uk, and there'll be a link, I think, on the front page. It was yesterday. If not, just uh, type in Steve, lbc.co.uk forward slash Steve, and I think there's a link on there. You can have a look at the pictures, and you can see how attractive I'm looking at the moment. It's clever lighting, actually. Very, cle- very clever lighting. But it's a great exhibition, so fancy doing it? Go and have a look. 
Uh, I did see... Oh, yes, uh, Stephen Bridlington says, have you heard about Preston and Chantel's upcoming nuptials? Or are you buying a new hat or favouring the paisley cravat look? Uh, front page of OK magazine, they're trying to make out that this is a relationship. She says, I want his children. And then um, somebody said, no, he has somebody else, which is something we told you weeks ago, because you know that uh, Chantel is very depressed at the moment. She doesn't have anybody. And, you know, she's not really living the dream at all. The dream is spend most of your time crying because you've got no talent for doing anything. And so she goes on Big Brother. She's as boring as she was first time round. He was a stupid. And they both come out. Even poor little John James, you know, that silly little Australian who started taking his clothes off for magazine shoots in the same way that... Exactly. He lied through his teeth, but uh, being a typical naff Oz bloke who quite clearly can't get a job for love nor money, he's resorted to doing it. And he'll probably bring out a calendar and then in three months' time we'll be going... Sorry, darling. Who were you? Who were you? Answer, Josie and you still together? I don't think so. Preston and Chantel getting married? I don't think so, no. I think even Preston can't be that stupid to go back again. And I'm sure that uh, you out there in the real world, not in the silly big brother world, you know, are realising that uh, it's, it's in... Actually, I thought it was very... Very indicative of the programme that Davina didn't turn up for the after-show party on the Monday. She'd moved on from earning £70,000 a week to start uh, filming a new programme and let all the numpties go together in rum- one room. And, and, and the numpties were all there. All the people you look at and you think, who are you? Oh, you were on Big Brother. When were you on Big Brother? I'm sorry, I've got no idea. None of them appear to have done anything. I'm told that uh, poor old Brian Dowling, who won again, is mortified that, um, that no work has come flooding in. And I, th- and I thought to myself, but what work did you think was going to come flooding in? I mean, there aren't, you know, there's not much room for fat trolley dollies who aren't trolley dollies anymore, but who have put on a ton of weight that you didn't have last year. You know, you didn't demonstrate anything on Big Brother that warranted... I mean, I don't know what sort of jobs people think they go for. I mean, I, I really don't know. I've, you know, I, I just find it immensely sad that they go on there and you think, if you're going to go on there and you want to be taken as a singer, then you do what Claire Sweeney did. You start singing and people go, God, she's got a great voice. So they put her in, in shows. In Brian Dowling's case, there's no evidence of any talent whatsoever, apart from pushing a trolley up and down an aisle, saying um, should I put that in the overhead locker for you? But he, he always, yeah, he attempted to interview people. Didn't quite work, though, did it? No, because if you remember, they have tried a couple of shows for poor Brian Dowling, and, uh, and they've both sunk without trace, I'm afraid. Ian in Surbiton, the true queen of the suburbs, says, was Chinese Amanda off yesterday because of the Moon Festival? She, she was. She was, she was, she was. Because if there's one thing I like, you know it's mooncake. I love... Actually, she hasn't tried mooncake. It might be an acquired taste for her. But uh, when we were in Hong Kong, and I love the smell of it, and I, it got sent over to me from Hong Kong last year, a box all the way from Hong Kong with a piece of mooncake, and it just smells, it just, you know, you know you have certain smells that bring back images of childhood, or, you know, we used to have a stone sink in Hong Kong, and I could open underneath the sink and smell it, and it had a certain smell to it. I don't know what it was, it was just a certain smell. And everybody's got those, you go, oh, it's, it's like the old, you know, new mown grass and all that kind of stuff. But th- this, this sink was, was just the thing, and mooncake is the same. And Ian says, I hope she works Christmas Day to make up the time. She's worked the last two Christmas days. Actually, Christmas Day this year is a Saturday, so I won't be working. But I'll be working Christmas Eve, which is the Friday, and then Boxing Day, which is the Sunday. Well, I hope that's how it's worked out, because we've, uh, I'm, I'm off down for, for relatives for this. And I'm booked into a hotel for Christmas Eve. Well, for Christmas Eve, yes, yeah, so we can have Christmas Day. And I'll be back in here on the Boxing Day. I'm not staying with the relatives. We don't want to do that. I'm, I'm staying. No, 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 I'm staying in a, in a hotel. Other relatives... 
I've got... You don't... <laughs> little Chinese Amanda knows so little about me. I have a few... How big do you think my family is? There's about 70 of us. We're a huge family. Our parents spent most of their time in the bedroom. They didn't spend any other time anywhere else. We spent most of our time going, is that mother care again? Oh, here we go. And I said, we didn't have Amazon. You know, we, uh, we were pushing prams, you know, up and down the street. Forget all these schoolgirls. Uh, Ian says, <laughs> yes, I'm a single mother. He says, you're my favourite Bentley-owning radio presenter. So much better than those Aston Martin types. Well, I don't know. A friend of mine's just taken over uh, an Aston Martin. Uh, Mary says, no work today. I've got tea, an electric blanket on, and you on the radio. Well, you got yourself wrapped round an electric blanket. I, you're not trying to do anything peculiar, are you? She says, do you think I'm easily pleased? I've no idea who you are, Mary. I'm really not getting involved with this. I don't want to be named in a paternity suit. Uh, where are you staying in Vegas, says Andy. Uh, I'm staying in, you know, in a posh place. I can't actually tell you where it is because people turn up there. And, uh, and Chris says, we took a group of youngsters to the London Eye for an evening trip. When he finished, all the loos were closed. Some of the kids became upset and were forced to go in the bushes. Oh, dear. Not very nice, is it? Although, actually, most of the bushes... We do need more public toilets. And more benches, we decided yesterday. There's not enough places to sit down. You know, if you're walking somewhere, I want to sit down every so often. I know it seems like a really old thing to do, but if you're walking around... And now I'm sort of cycling every day. Which Chinese Amanda will testify to, because she's seen me on the bicycle. And, um... A sight she won't forget. She couldn't stop laughing. Uh, Paul in Manchester says, what's this going on about the pyramids? I'm 39 and three quarters and can remember seeing the pictures of you on the camel. Are you telling us you never really went there? No, no, no. I did go to Egypt and, and I did, and I did get, but I didn't go in the pyramids. I wanted to go in to go down, but I, d- I didn't do that. But I did go on the camel as the pictures testified on the LBC website. But the pictures of me, me with the Lion King are very good. lbc.co.uk, and you'll find it there. Uh, by the way, meant to see about yesterday's story of Barbara and the loo. My dad, same as you, diabetic, has to take water tablets. As I told you, there's only one public loo in Manchester City Centre. As a result, can't go there anymore because the pubs won't let you loo- use theirs unless you're a customer. Lastly, I'm still waiting for the Frutman's Hapney. I invoice you for my small contributions to the show. As a result, I may not contact you anymore and go to another radio station instead. Yeah, but you won't, because you love this one. That's why you see. People are frightened to leave LBC now. I've noticed. Uh, strangely enough, uh, Rosalind says, in Italy, it's the law. If you need the toilet, you can go into any cafe or restaurant without having to buy anything. Just come back from Rome, and that law is a real blessing. Yes, I mean, if it's hot, you do need to go. But also, I'll tell you, the, the thing that I love in, um, uh, in Austria is you can go into any cafe or restaurant, any restaurant, and sit down and just have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You don't have to order a meal, and there's no minimum charge. You just go in there, and it doesn't matter where it is, whether it's Chinese, whatever it is, and you could just have a cup of coffee. Which I, th- I quite like, actually. I quite like. Um, details of the new West End show, George M. Cohan, tonight... George M. Cohan was the man who it was said... Uh, sorry? Whoops. Oh, no. <sighs> She's in big trouble now. I have to do it after the news. I don't know how you forget these things. Honestly, you've got a mind like a sieve, haven't you? You're absolutely... I've, I've got no idea. The trouble is all this talk about Kevin's T-shirt and, you know, and all the... Re- and she gets a bit carried away. But George M. Cohan owned Broadway and James Cagney, you dirty rat, played George M. Cohan in the Hollywood movie. And they've got a show... It's called George M. Cohan Tonight, and it's at the New Players Theatre, and it's down just off Villiers Street. Choreography by uh, Derek Hartley of Pineapple Dance Studio. American director Bart Williams, fine job. And David uh, Herzog is excellent as George M. Cohan. A hit in America and at the Edinburgh Festival. It's only in until the 16th of October. 
Warren and Gina thoroughly recommend it. So if you fancy going, looking for a new show, want a bit of Hollywood, and it's a lovely theatre, I can recommend the new Players Theatre. I've looked at it myself for doing shows there, but it's not quite big enough. I think it's only about a 250, 300-seater, and we need, really, a 600-seater for the show, mainly to bring in all the, the elephants and the dancing kangaroos and all the rest of it, and the Busby Barkley babes and all that kind of thing. So, but it's lovely. The New Players Theatre, just off Villiers Street, and if you're interested in Hollywood musicals, that's the place to go. Check it out. BT Vision. This season, football has a brand new player. Quick warning for you this morning. Police are warning in the City of London uh, to be aware of a, a new scam. This is uh, adverts that appear for jobs as escorts or adult film actors. The company involved is looking for a £250 deposit and then up to £3,000 more. So far, police are investigating 14 cases in the City of London. I mean, the very idea that you could actually, you know, operate as an escort in the City of London is ridiculous. Roger Foss, good morning. Good morning. That's one profession that I think I, I won't follow, actually. Well, please. to be honest with you, that I mean, you know, how long would you have to wait before before the phone rang? <laughs> Quite a long time, I That's think. That's what I think. I'd, I'd be sitting there <laughs> waiting forever and a day. I'd be growing cobwebs, I think. Yes, no business is... Yeah, yes. no business like chef business, Absolutely. I was going to say. It's but... easier to go into show business. <laughs> uh, the Sondheim yeah. 80th birthday celebrations continue this week. Passion is at the Donmar Warehouse. At the Donmar Warehouse, mm. yeah. You mentioned George M. Cohen, that show at the New Players. Yes. He was the father of American musical comedy, I suppose. Yes. Wasn't a Yankee Doodle Dandy and Give My Regards to Broadway. Stephen Sondheim at 80, I suppose, is the grandfather of musical comedy of Broadway. But, um, yeah, these celebrations continue with uh, passion at the uh, Donmar Warehouse, the musical that opened in London about 15 years ago, was it, when Michael Ball and Maria Friedman starred in it? Mm. Um, it also continues the Sondheim thing at the Queen's Hornchurch with the funny thing happened on the way to the Forum, which opens tomorrow. But Passion, of course, is the musical with an extraordinary story, but actually songs that you don't ever really remember. And I'll have to say there are no jokes <laughs> in it at all. So no. <laughs> you go out, I suppose in a way it's a musical tragedy. You go out humming the drama. You don't go out humming the songs. It's a extraordinary tale based on an Italian novel set in 19th century Italy at the time of Garibaldi. Uh, not the biscuit, but the Italian... I was going to say, I love the biscuits. And it's a story of uh, sexual passion mm. and uh, obsection, sexual obsession. Not an for us, Amanda, story, not for us. Sexual obsession no, exactly. or passion, no, that no, died out years ago. Yeah, <laughs> Easy to go and make a cupcake now, it really is. <laughs> Uh, th this production stars <laughs> Elena Roger, uh, the Ar Argentinian actress, the tiny, tiny Argentinian actress, sparrow-like she is, and she's absolutely minute. She mm. played uh, Eva Perón in Evita. Andrew Lloyd Webber discovered her in Argentina, brought her over. She played Edith Piaf in Piaf. At the oh, Walmart yes, 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 I remember, yes. Fantastic. And now she plays Fosca, this character uh, in, uh, in Passion, who's... Uh, uh, I mean, you know, she said in an interview recently she doesn't play ordinary women, and this is certainly not an ordinary woman. She's consumptive, she's sickly, she's anorexic. She's prone, I suppose, to what the Victorians called the vapours, which is another word for being sexually starved and obsessive oh, in love. Oh, I know. I mean, it's... it's I didn't know that's these... what it meant. Is that what it well, means? Well, that's what I think it means. Oh, I thought a touch of the vapours was sort of having, a, you know, sort of a diva breakdown kind of thing. Well, she has diva breakdowns, and she's 
absolutely obsessed as well with a a very young, glamorous soldier who is in turn in love with a very glamorous young married woman played by Scarlett Strahlen, who we know, of course, uh, played Mary Poppins. Summer's sister, yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So it's um, it's this um, um, incredible eternal triangle, and of course, one of those eternal triangles that ends up in terrible tragedy for everybody concerned and there's not much love left and not much passion left and I, I found this production at the Donmar um, actually left me feel a, feeling a little bit cold you expect lots of drama and, and, and real searing music I think if Andrew Lloyd Webber had written it there'd be some great big passionate aria or something halfway through it that would make your skin tingle or you know yeah. it's that sort of show that really I thought mm, where's the passion my goldfish actually show more passion in their pond oh. outside than <laughs> this show so I, I think in a way I, I'm a bit disappointed but it's worth going to see Elena Roger as, as no. off at this extraordinary character another in her gallery of strange women that she's uh, made her profession now I think but uh, so so yeah um, that's that's uh, Sondheim for you and I look forward to seeing a funny thing happened on the way to the forum at the Queen's, which uh, tomorrow, I will have quite a... F- yeah, that's tragedy tomorrow, isn't it? Comedy tonight. Yes. So lots of <laughs> lots of laughs there, I would have thought. I love that um, theatre. Lo- oh, yeah. I, uh, it'll be great fun. And yeah. Of course, the, the actors there all play musical instruments, so it's all a bit kind of like that, really, isn't it? It'll yes. be fun. Very clever. So they've is- got a little actors group going down there, haven't they, at the Queen's? That's right, yeah. It's called... Uh, is it called Cut to the Chase? Something like that. I can't remember. And, uh, I know, it's one of the only places, I think, in London that does anything like that. A kind of semi-permanent company. But uh, So that should be good fun. And uh, we also had good fun last week at the Old Vic with a play that is another eternal triangle but uh, was condemned in the 1930s as being decadent and degenerate. And, <laughs> and of course, it's written by Noel Coward, of all people. You couldn't find <laughs> any more, anybody more decadent than Noel Coward. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> But this is this is extraordinary production. This is Kevin Spacey's seventh uh, season at the Old Vic, mm. and I think uh, they're going to do fantastic business with Design for Living. Again, it's another, I suppose this time, it's a scandalous threesome. An artist, a playwright, and a, a society girl, and you're not sure who's in love with who. Uh, and it includes one of the, the best drunk scenes I think I've ever seen on stage between actors Andrew Scott and Tom Burke. It's just absolutely... I mean, act, uh, drunks in real life mm. are uh, are not very funny, are they? No, no. <laughs> but <laughs> No, they're not. But, but on, strangely stage... enough, there's, there's also Coward as well opening at the Rose in Kingston tonight with one of my favourite ladies who I just love to pieces, Celia Imre. Oh, Celia Imre, Oh, yes. she's just fantastic. In Hay Fever? Yes. That should be good. Yes. Uh, it would be great to see her on stage. We know her from Dinner Ladies, don't we? And... From, uh, Nanny McPhee, just about everything. Every time I turn on the television, there's another piece. There's Celia Imry again. I know. She's I know. just she, d- she just fits into anything. But she's really good on stage. Mm. She's very, very good on stage. Did a one woman show at the King's Head a few years back, and you suddenly thought, well, well, yes, we know you're from telly, but live on stage, you're extremely good. Yes, and yes. Uh, I, I, I think, in a way, I'm, I've known Celia actually since she. She, she started all those years ago. She was a young girl in the chorus in Panto at Colchester, I think it was. When I love her. She, 
she wanted to be a dancer when she was a kid and then decided, well, I don't know what happened, but she then became an actress and thank, thankfully she did. Yes, I'm very, <laughs> I've, I've, I've had her on In Conversation and I said to her, I said, I've so, so wanted to talk to you. I said, I'm such a fan. And it sounded really awful, really, because it, it sounded, it came over as being a bit sycophantic, whereas in fact, every time I see her on the television, I think, gosh, you fit into everything, period, drama, comedy, you know, everything. Yeah. She just, it yeah. just works for her. It just works. She's yeah. got one of those faces. She's not a classic beauty, but she's just brilliant at whatever she does. I love her. Yeah, she is. She is. So it's a great thing for the Rose to be doing. Isn't yes, it? good for them. Listen, f- sorry. Yeah, go on. You go. You I was just going to say quickly. I've got to. I've got to wrap up. I've. I've run out of time. Oh, all right, Steve. But I've got to tell you, I the Laurence Olivier it. Awards are looking for people to join the judges. Oh, they are. They are. That's right. You go onto the Laurence Olivier website. They give you all the information. It's. Uh, they're looking for ten people. Right. And 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 it's for the for the next set of Olivia's in uh, 2011. So you have, to, uh, you have to log on and find out all about it. But it means that you go and see West End shows or dance or opera and uh, there's an opportunity there to uh, decide who's going to get the Olivia Awards. You have to work hard, I think, when you're doing this. Yes, you do. <laughs> not just free tickets. <laughs> no, it's not just free tickets. <laughs> not just free tickets. You have to, and also, um, you can't just uh, log on and, and do it. You have to go through a little betting procedure and you have to be able to write up about shows that you see and and show them that you have seen West End shows in the last year or so Mm. and you know a bit what you're talking about but it is for anybody to have a go at and I think it's a really great idea for the Olivia's to do this it means that all sorts of people get involved with theatre industry professionals on deciding what are after all the Oscars or the Tonys of British theatre. Yeah, but you do get to go to the theatre. You'll end up going probably about three or four times a week, so you've got to be committed. And, uh, and they'll, they'll give you the 99.9% of them to a pair of tickets so you can take a friend to the theatre. So if you're a, a theatre aficionado, I did two years on it. And, yeah, uh, that's it's, right. It's, it's well worth doing. It'll, it'll, you'll be exhausted at the end of it and start, next start year, preparing, you know, for I them. know, and don't forget, things coming up next year, uh, The Wizard of Oz at the Palladium, yes. Ghost of the Musical coming up. So there's lots of big shows opening next year, yes. which means that if you get onto these panels, uh, you've got some great stuff to go and see. So uh, I, you go to the Olivia Awards section of the official London Theatre website, and, uh, it, and, and, and that's got all the information. But you can also get leaflets and brochures at all the West End theatres yes, that give you there. information about this. So uh, it's well worth go for it. having a go at, yeah. Excellent. OK, kid, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Steve, see we'll you try, then. Try and do it about quarter past, then, maybe next week for you. <laughs> if, if Amanda's memory's working. Oh, I don't know, probably not. <laughs> we'll have, given, have you noticed, the younger she gets, the worse she gets. <laughs> Doesn't help, oh, does it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. There's Roger Foss, our man in the front row. I see the stars of the new reality show set in Notting Hill today said they were taking a massive risk by opening their lives to scrutiny. Of course, nobody's forced them into uh, expose themselves, being the vain people that they are. The first episode kicked off last night. Samantha Rowley, uh, an aspiring TV presenter, said there will be people that love us and people that hate us. And there'll be those people like me, Samantha, think how immensely sad that you have to subject yourself to it. You can't complain one hand that people love you or hate you. Nobody's forced you to do it. You've done it because you obviously think you've got something to offer. I just see it as total vanity, I'm afraid. Quarter to seven is the time. News headline, Sam Pittis. A senior this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. 13 minutes to 7. Don't forget Nick Ferrari with you after the news at 7 this morning on LBC. at Steve Allen's early breakfast. Say hello to my dad, Roy Norris, who's coming out of hospital today, says Carol. 
Hello. <laughs> Roy's coming out of hospital. Uh, and CJ says, saw the photos of you at the Lion King exhibition. Loved the shirt. Yes, I was a bit worried about the shirt. Pictures on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk forward slash Steve. You'll find them on there. Better pictures of the exhibition and of the cuddly toys. Anne in North London says men don't hang on more than women. They just go in any old place. Women can't. And I think the law says pregnant women must have access to toilets. I don't think Barbara Windsor's going to be getting pregnant any day soon, put it that way. But she just was desperate to use the toilet. Mark is a lorry driver. Hello. Like lorry drivers. He says, I listen every morning. He says, great show. And I'll forgive you for what you said about lorry drivers. Yeah, come on, bring it on. Bring it on. And uh, Alex Sibley, that's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it, says, I was on Big Brother, I worked for two years, great, then I got a real job, then I worked on radio. <laughs> he says, then I got a real job again. Most of us ex-housemates are unemployable. Love your work, Steve. I know you do, Alex. I know you do. Um, it's interesting, actually, isn't it, that so many people on Big Brother don't take advantage of a time on the te- You can be on the television, if you play your cards right, you can be on there for, you know, ten weeks, five weeks, six weeks. You would think that you're going on there. If you've got a modicum of intelligence, you would target it to, if I'm going to be, you know, this person or that person, you target it and you start showing people that you've got a talent in that department. I mean, I wouldn't be remotely interested in anybody else on the programme. I really wouldn't, because most of them either want to be glamour models, and let's face it, you don't have to be that talented to just get your boobs out for somebody, do you? Stand there, love. OK, listen, the glamour market's a bit... Would you, would you fancy doing movies? And you have to take something... Just take the... You know, and so it goes on. And the next minute, they have to date a footballer because they suddenly realise that their life has finished. And, uh, and then some people go on there, and they're just people who've just got mental problems. And you see them shouting and screaming. And I've seen people... You know, they've only been on there a couple of days. They start shouting at people and throwing their weight out. And I think, what are you doing on air? How did you ever get through? Is it because the stupid researchers are about five years old and they go, oh, they'll be an interesting person to put on television? I don't think they're interesting at all. I mean, if, if, if I, w- I wouldn't go on there. I've discussed this with people and they've said, oh, you'd love it. I, said, I wouldn't go on there at all. Why would you want to go on there? I, w- I mean, I would absolutely hate it. I can't think of anything worse than there. People watching me in the shower. I mean, admittedly, even I think I look good in the shower. But I mean, you know... I wouldn't better take my little stool and disco like shower head in there, and I'd be sitting there on my little stool with my little bar of soap, and and I just would I just want on the idea, and then people magnetic soap of course, and then people walking in there chatting and be going, excuse me, I'm in the shower, yeah, what? Oh, I thought we'd come and have a chat. You go away, I'm in the shower, God, dear. and then and you notice. They all want to be your friend, and then to cap it all, the chest of drawers starts talking to you in the corner, and they go, hello, how are you? And they start talking to a chest of drawers. I mean, you know, I've had nights like that. And I stopped drinking alcohol. You know the chest of drawers. <gasps> Amanda knows the chest of drawers. She's quite mad, you know. Uh, Robert lives in Hong Kong. He says, I can't stand mooncake. People keep giving them to me. Now I know you like them. I'll send them over. He says, it's my birthday today. Let me have mooncake then, will you? I shouldn't think. I love it. I love the smell of it. I, abs- I can't describe what mooncake is. It's just a traditional cake that the Chinese have. You can probably... Some of the little shops in Seoul will have it. They'll have a sign on the window, Mooncake, and it, there's a stamp and the... I'll, I'll try and get one over the next few days. It's lovely. You, you might... Oh, she might not like it, actually. We'll just buy it for her. And, uh, Steve... I, um, I can't remember if it's got marzipan in it. I can't... I cannot remember what's in it. I just remember it's Mooncake. Uh, I can't think of anything, actually, that it's got in it. <laughs> 84850, uk. Uh, another one here... Uh, thank you, Peter off Notting Hill. And <laughs> I can't repeat that. People tell me gossip and sometimes I can't repeat it. Since when, says Paula, have there been zebras in China? 
By the way, I did like the shirt, and you can chuck my invoice away. When, when there, there's not zebras in China. She had a pet zebra, Amanda did. Pet zebra. Her, her parents, you know, bought her a pet zebra um, for a birth And a giraffe as well, which is lovely, isn't it? Uh, don't forget, Elizabeth Waite's got her Macmillan coffee morning. Jackie Ellis went to Costco in Watford the other day, which I like, uh, you love, and I bought loads of things. And, uh, but notice the price of regular things that I get in Tesco seem to be more expensive than in Tesco's. Well, do you know, you've got to check with everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go, whether it's Costco, Tesco, this place. Some places can be more expensive. I went to buy some soda water the other day in Bottoms Up, which is a, a wine shop, £2.10. pence. The same bottle in Waitrose, £1.05. It's 100% more, and I just thought, it's, you've really got to shop around, but you could spend ages, couldn't you? Uh, oh, Alex Sibley sent in another one. Did he send that one? So he sent in on text and on email. You are so rich, Alex. You are so, so rich. You really are. Uh, you brighten up my night, says Carol. I listen to you on my internet radio. Best of luck in Las Vegas. Neiman Marcus discount outlet is worth... Apparently over the front door from the Bellagio... There's a shopping mall there, which I should be going into, as you can well imagine. Uh, agree with you, says uh, Joss in Prague, about the loos. The other day you were saying loos should be taken out of trains. Some journeys are very long and they're needed on trains. Also, there are loos on National Express buses. You see, the trouble is, I don't mind there being a loo on, on an on Express bus, provided somebody's just using it for, you know, we. I don't, I mean, anything else, I mean, some people, I just don't think you should better use loos like that. I'm really, I'm a bit funny, I'm a bit toilet phobic, I'm afraid. Um, I, I am very toilet-phobic. I'm just, I just don't, don't like it at all. Well, I, do, I mean, I like it because you have to go, but I just don't like other people using, you know, a bit Kenneth Williams. Richard says, one of the listeners mentioned about seeing Shane Ritchie on EastEnders in HD. I thought it strange. It hasn't been shown in HD yet. And the new channel, BBC One HD, doesn't begin until November. When I said I double-checked through the Radio Times to make sure I hadn't uh, missed a simulcast, but no, I do agree, though, that when the programme finally does air on HD, it will be uh, very unforgiving. Yes, but the trouble, it depends what sort of telly you've got. I've noticed, since I've got uh, LED television, you can, I mean, you can really see, you know, all sorts of details, and, and nobody's perfect, I'm delighted to report to you, because most people say, oh, look on television, don't people look great? There was a guy on, on The X Factor... And you know, you know, on, on the X Factor, you get all these people coming on. I now play a game with myself. If it's a girl, I try and work out what secret she's hiding. Is she an escort? You know, has she been out with somebody famous? And if it's a bloke, I try and work out if they're gay. And there was a bloke on there the other day. Well, he's got the word gay stamped all over him. He's a bit Joe McKeldry. The moment Joe McKeldry walked on and started singing show tunes with a big smile, I'm going gay. OK? And there's been quite a few on The X Factor. And there was one the other day, and, uh, they, and he was standing in the line. They put him next to a really old woman. And he's there, and he looked like he had his makeup on already to make him look even more attractive. And I'm going, he's gay. You know, give him three months down the line, he'll be coming out as gay. Because what they do is they take boy band members, and they kind of split them up. And they say, well, see, see if you can have a go by yourself. And if you can't, we'll put you in with a, a boy band. And uh, see how you cope with that. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I agree, says Chris in Twickenham. Celia is brilliant. I have a secret crush on her. I think she's fab. I really do. I think loads of people are fab, but Celia Imry, I can what every I see her on something and she just makes me laugh. If she's doing comedy, she's funny. If she's doing <coughs> a period drama, I think she's brilliant. I just think she's just got one of those faces. 
You know, God help all these people who go on to Big Brother and they go, ooh, I want to be a glamour model. And you think, that's the sole extent of your life, is it, darling? That's what you want to be. How sad and tragic. Most of them end up, you know, not living any dream whatsoever, but having very shallow and vacuous lives. You know, get a job, do something properly. I've worked for all of my adult life and most of my childhood as well. You know, up chimneys as a child, you know, pushing that thing around. Who will buy my sweet... You know, I was doing all of that when I was a child. Ripe strawberries, ripe... I was doing it all. I was, I was a Bryant and May match girl. I was standing outside there. I remember... I can remember some Christmas ago, I was standing outside the front door of Global without realising it was Global at the time and I had my little box of matches on my tray and as people were going past, I was striking a match and holding it up in the air and then all of a sudden the square was full of trees and Christmas trees and presents and food and, and it wasn't for me, it was for everybody else in Global who was getting paid on time. I was the one not getting paid on time and frankly I've had quite enough of it but I'm not one, as you know, to harbour a grudge or to moan about not being paid for a couple of months because I'm an adult I'm not some big girl's blouse who needs to go on about, oh, nice to be rich enough to better go two months, isn't it? Without actually having any income coming in. Uh, more uh, people in the paper today, more uh, revelations about uh, Bono's charity. In America, they have a different system than we do. You can, you can have a charity. This one has had £9.6 million in donations, but has given out... 118,000. However, they've spent a lot of money on getting people around the world and paying people salaries, but it's not a charity they say for handing out money. I seem to remember uh, a former president's wife in America. I think Nancy Reagan had a charity. And the charity was, I think, the Nancy Reagan Foundation, set up, Kitty Kelly said, to finance purely Nancy Reagan's lifestyle. Because they have different systems. Over there, you can use your uh, money that comes into the foundation... To, uh, to run a charity, you can have offices and airline flights, and you can have loads of things. And you don't have to give very much until the paper's picked up, and then all of a sudden, Nancy Reagan started making donations. We'll see how this one pans out. Loads of stories that'll keep you going today. I promise you, if you stay tuned to LBC 97.3. Don't forget, check out the website, see the gorgeous pictures of me at the new Lion King exhibition, which is just up in Regent Street to the National Geographic store. I'm back tomorrow morning. Don't forget to podcast. Nick's with you after seven. First of all, this morning's business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Sam.